May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Yesterday was Santa on the Green in Hudson. Um, the Rotary sponsors this, and I'm a member of the Rotary, and so uh, I got the privilege of being um, part of the, the elf community. Um, has nothing to do with my height, just about, you know, being a, a Rotary member. And, um, and so here I was. Why are you laughing, Frank? And uh, here, I, here I was, voiced into uh, to work, and uh, I, was, I was part of the, the crew that helped, um, helped Santa do his, his work yesterday. It was a great privilege. It really was. Uh, you, you got to see these, these little children come up with, with all their wonder in their faces and the excitement about, uh, about talking to Santa. Uh, there were some, though, that came with, um, with a little bit of uh, trepidation, a, a little nervousness. And there were a few who wailed buckets of tears as they were you know, placed upon Santa's lap or Mrs. Claus. And, uh, and they were you know, screaming and fighting to get free from him. And I saw parents who were, you know, they were torn a little bit by that, you know, their, their child screaming, you know, when they're trying to do something nice for him or her. I have teenagers, so um, I have a little sympathy for these children. I feel like it's preemptive retribution for things that are coming their way. And I don't know if that's the right word. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a shot across the bow. You get in early while you still can. Um, and then I saw children coming with letters in their hand, letters to Santa that they wanted to hand deliver. I thought it was a bit curious because you're getting ready to sit on his lap and tell him. I mean, why the letter? If you're going to, if you're going to talk to him, you know, and, and I, I thought, well, perhaps, you know, that they're, you know, they're worried about Santa's memory. Lots of kids, after all. Maybe you kind of get lost in the crowd. So you bring a letter, you know. Or maybe you're afraid the conversation goes a different direction. You know, you hadn't planned on, on talking about certain things and, um, and so, you, you bring a letter in case you didn't really get the chance to get in what you wanted to say. I feel like we have a lots of budding lawyers here in uh, Hudson because lots of kids with letters ready to go. It occurred to me also that there might have been um, a few disclaimer letters, you know, in that in that pile, you know, like something, dear Santa. Um, perhaps my mother has spoken to you about some behavior that, let's say is not, uh, you know, culturally conditioned or, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily conform to all your gift-giving, you know, attributes. And it's, you know, maybe there's some disclaimer letters in that pile. Then I saw these three boys. They were, um, they were adorable little boys, uh, brothers. Um, they were like eight, six, and four, you know, little stair-step boys. And, and uh, one of my jobs was kind of, you know, hold them up, you know, until it's their turn, and then, you know, send them on up to see Santa. And so I got these three little boys corralled in the, in the bullpen, and, um, and I say to them, I'm like, so tell me what you want for Christmas. And, and the oldest boy tells me some video game, and, and the youngest boy some sort of truck that I imagined to be like a Tonka truck, but I really wasn't sure what he was talking about. But the middle boy, he, he looks at me, and he wants, he says, I want a Nerf and Strike Elite Blaster Gun. I'm like, a what? A Nerf and Strike Elite Blaster Gun. I'm like, you've got to tell me about this, and because I want one too. Um, and and he, he says, you know, it, it holds like this big cartridge of all these little Nerf spongy darts. And, um, and it's got like an arm case on it, so you can, you know, you can really hold it out there like a rifle, and, and it's got a scope, and it's got a video camera attached to it, so that you can record all your exploits with this gun. I pushed him out of the way, and I ran up to Santa and said, I want a Nerf Elite Blast. No, I didn't do that. And I said to him, you are going to totally wreck that house with that. And he said, yeah. Like, <laughs> can't wait. 
thought about how, you know, a little boy's joy is a parent's nightmare. Um, and I wondered about Santa, too, you know, like all the stuff that he heard. You know, he's got all these people, you know, telling him all this stuff. And, and I see this one little girl, she's like three, and I said to her, are you excited to see Santa? And she says, look at my red dress. <laughs> I said, oh, you have a lovely red dress, but, but what about Santa? And she says, isn't my dress pretty? And I thought, okay, we're not going to talk about toys. We're talking about red dresses. You know, this is, the, this is what's going on. A couple hours, 100 children or so, maybe more, go through that, uh, through that line that I was watching. Parents were an interesting lot, you know. Some would bring their first child. You know, my first Christmas on the little Santa hat. Isn't that sweet, you know? And, and others would bring like a little brood of wild alley cats, you know? And mom was like, ooh, if only Santa makes them behave for a week, you know? She's really frustrated. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, this is, this is kind of a fascinating thing. And Santa himself was, he was a chatty Santa. Um, he liked to talk. Uh, all these, and he had three minutes. I mean, we were on the clock, you know? This is, you, Santa, you've got three minutes, and he, and he wanted to talk all on and on. And he talked about all sorts of things that weren't remotely connected to Christmas. I heard him doing math drills with a fifth grader. Like, Santa, this is not the time or place, you know? It's other things to talk about. Talk about a red dress with a preschooler, which I couldn't understand. I met that girl. Um, he, all this sort of stuff that, you know, he's talking about, and it's not the sort of things I'm expecting him to talk about. And he's got to keep all these things in his head, you know, particularly who wants what. You know, he's got a big job to do with that. But I wondered about all the other conversations, you know, if they really kind of hung around with him all day, you know, conversations about dresses and Nerf blaster guns and math drills and dads who have terrible football teams and little kids are worried about that and moms who might have serious problems at cancer or whatever. How long do those conversations hang around in his head? How long do they battle around in there? Does he, does he think about them all day long? Because, you know, Santa's got a lot on his plate, you know, he's got a lot to do and all these conversations going on. I mean, not to mention all the things that happened at the North Pole with the elfish work stoppages and collective bargaining and all the sort of things that he has. He's got to remember all these other, you guys are like, does that really happen? It does. Um, he's got all these other things. It's not an easy job to be Santa Claus. Um, and, you know, he's got to take it easy. But this is the busy time of year for him. And he's got to hear all this stuff. I wondered how all that kind of confusion could kind of get in his head. And I was looking at the text for the gospel and seeing how Luke starts off with what seems like a bunch of ridiculous minutia. Did you hear it? Did you hear what he said? In the 15th year of the reign of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was the ruler of Galilee, and his brother was the ruler of Iteria and Trachontius, and Lysanias was the ruler of Athelene, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, <gasps> come on, Luke, can't you just say, like, look on the front of your bulletin, December 6, 2015, can't we cut to the chase? Must we have all of this data? Is this really necessary to tell us all of this stuff? Why all the extra information? You see, if you lived in the first century, and you lived in what we call Israel, or perhaps you called Palestine, if you lived in that area, you would realize that there's a lot of information gathered here. There's a lot of information that's really difficult for people to take. This is the Holy Land, the land given by God to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and to their children. And yes, they're living in the land, but whose names are at the top? Tiberius is emperor in Rome, and yet Pontius Pilate is his enforcer in Judea. Herod in Galilee, Philip further up north. Rome has a heavy hand upon the people living 
in Israel. And Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, you can't have two high priests. How can you have two high priests? There's only one high priest. Luke tells us something. A lot of people think that, you know, kind of try to discredit Luke for, for writing that, that Annas and Caiaphas were both high priests. But here's the fact. Annas was the high priest, and he was removed by Rome. And his son-in-law, Caiaphas, was placed in that office in his stead. But Luke knows that what's officially the rule isn't what's happening behind the scenes. Caiaphas may have the office, but Annas is pulling the strings. And he knows that. And he tells us that. All of which is to say that they live in a time of very confused, frightful, politically dangerous time. A time where people were were going after big power plays and pushing one another around. And most people lived in a sort of day-to-day world just trying to eke out an existence. And it's into this world that this man called John is living out in the wilderness. And the word of the Lord comes to him in the wilderness. Well, of course it comes to him in the wilderness. I mean, where else is the word of the Lord going to hear? Where else can he hear the word of the Lord in this kind of crazy, chaotic world? He has to pull away. He has to get out of the mainstream of of life. He has to get away from that, at least just to hear God speak. And he does. He hears the word of the Lord come to him in the wilderness. Uh, uh, Several years ago, oh goodness, it's been 10 now, 2005, uh, for the first time I went to this monastery in um, near Bargetown, Kentucky called Gethsemane. Let me tell you about Gethsemane. They don't speak. There is a Trappist monastery. You don't, I spent a week there. You don't speak unless it's absolutely necessary. You know, you could ask a question. Somebody will give you an answer. But conversation is not the, not the game of the day. Contemplation is. And so they have little signs in the cafeteria that say, silence is spoken here. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't talk. You, you, you go through your day in contemplation. And the first day I thought it was kind of cute. You know, is it this sweet? You know, then nobody talks around here. It's just quiet. Whew, finally, a bit of quiet. Um, and then the second day was miserable. And the third day was miserable because nobody's speaking. I mean, nobody at all. You, the only time you hear anybody speak is in prayer at, at a, you know, the, the, the daily offices. But you go out and, and you see people and you don't speak to them. You don't say hello, no chit chat, no nothing. And that silence is deafening. For a while. And then the fourth and the fifth day come along. And that silence is so sweet. And, and you know what happened? My prayer life just took off. I mean, it just took, I could really, I could really pray. I could, I could, I could hear my thoughts. It was, it was a beautiful thing. And, and I could sense the presence of God in a way that I hadn't before. John is in that sort of situation, and he hears the word of the Lord. Look at this. Look at what happens. And the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went. You see this? He went. He didn't go further into the wilderness. He returned. He came back, and he began preaching, preaching to people. He had to re-engage with society, didn't he? He had to re-engage with people all around. He came back and he began to preach. And he preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. We don't say that sort of stuff, make his path straight. That's not our idiom. It's old idiom, ancient world. I don't know what we say. Um, get it in gear. Step on the gas. Hurry up. 
Get in line. I kind of imagine, you know, um, school teachers uh, when they're trying to, you know, herd those uh, children in from recess. You know, right? like straight this way, or or they're trying to get them on stage for the school production. You know, the parents are sitting out in uncomfortable chairs in the auditorium, and they're trying to get them those children up onto the stage. Now, 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 quickly this way. This is what John is saying. Make the way straight for the Lord. Hurry up. Get ready. You know, I felt like it was kind of odd to see Santa yesterday. I mean, it was warm. There's no snow on the ground. It doesn't seem like it's almost Christmas. Does it seem like it to you? It, it doesn't really seem like December, though I'm sure it is. And, you know, just like you, there's some cards that are starting to show up in the mailbox. A couple party invitations, you know, things that go like that. I, I got a call from my son. We'll be, I'll be home soon. Hasn't been home in a year. I'm almost there. So I know that it must be almost Christmas, but it doesn't really seem that way. But what am I going to get ready for? What are you going to get ready for? What is it that we're, we're preparing for? For Christmas trees and chocolates? For parties? Family and friends? Is that really what we're preparing for? See, because Advent talks about coming. It's about Christ's coming, about his first coming in Bethlehem, but not just that. Advent talks about Christ's return, his second coming. Advent is always a reminder that we should celebrate the birth of Christmas, absolutely, but it's more than that. It's looking forward to the return of Christ, the second coming, the second Advent. And so John's words to his first audience were words to us. Repent. Make the paths straight for the Lord. Get things in order quickly. Get in order. Get in line. Get ready. Because he's coming. And he's coming whether we're ready or not. He's coming and he's coming soon. Advent's message is that we're waiting for something. We're waiting for an event to happen and that event is going to happen and is going to happen Sooner rather than later. And it's not talking about Santa either. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.